0: I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where you're going out with some friends and going out to eat and you say, well, where do you want to go? And that endless loop begins, right? Just so many choices. And then the next follow-up question is, well, what are you hungry for, right? What are you hungry for? And then, you know, you kind of got going through the list of things, and then you get to that place where it's somebody says, Oh, yeah. Whatever it is, they put in the blank. I know, let's get... And you go, Oh, yeah. That sounds right. Something happens at that moment. It's, you're not even there yet, and you're going, Oh, Yeah. That's what I'm hungry for. I know what you're hungry for this morning. Hold on to that thought for a minute, okay? Father, we invite you in the power of your Holy Spirit to come and take this Bible that just seems so old in so many ways, but has so much life in it. God, would you just come in the power of your Holy Spirit and cause it to come to life in front of us? Cause it just to come to life in front of us, Lord. We, we are believers who want to believe. We are believers who do believe. And in believing, Lord, we want to see. We want to see your power. We want to see you move. We want to see people saved. We want to see people healed. We want to see want to see. We want to see you, Lord. So we invite you to come in our, our time of thinking about your word, and, and let us see you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So a really cool thing happened to me this morning, I just got to tell you about. I, uh, the, the Iron Man conference yesterday was amazing, it was great, and uh, we only had to call the squad one time, and we really did actually have to call, it. he's okay, ruptured Achilles, he'll be fine. Uh, it's just what happens when you get a bunch of guys in a room doing things they shouldn't be doing, right? And it was, it was a truly great day in so many, many ways. And I went home, and I was exhausted. I mean, I just said hi uh, to Karen. We had two teenage granddaughters spending the night with us. I was looking forward to that. And I just said, hey, how you doing? I got to go lay down. I went out. Boom. Done. Boom. Unconscious. Karen comes in a couple hours later and shakes me to wake me up for for dinner because I really did want to spend some time with the kids while they were there. And so I stagger out, you know, I'm just not, I'm just so shot. And so we eat our chicken, and Karen just made a great meal, and we talked, had a really nice talk with the kids, and and then uh, I went back to bed. <laughs> So, 8 o'clock, you know, I'm in bed, I'm out, and uh, and I get up this morning to do, like, just my regular early prayer stuff, it's probably about 5 or 5.30, and I'm up praying, and when I woke up this morning, I was so sick, I was so sick, I could only breathe through my mouth, I was completely, completely congested, and I was gonna hurl, you know what I mean, it was that bad. And I just went through this not that long ago, so I know what it means. And I said, no, not today, Lord, not today. We can't have that happen today. And so I, I, was, I was very sick. And uh, uh, so I, you know, I, I finished up you know, kind of the way I like to pray and stuff. And, and by this time, I'm texting elders saying, buckle up, boys, because uh, you know, we're going to pray for at least enough healing for me to get through this. But it's kind of too late to do anything else. So, you know, uh, get ready. And, um, uh, and then I texted Peggy, who's our ministry assistant here, who kind of runs a lot of things around here on Sunday mornings, and said, well, guess what, and blah, blah, blah. Well, people started praying. Karen I sitting up on the edge of the bed. Then I went back in, and, and we were just talking. The, I said, I'm so sick, and blah, blah, blah. And she prays for me. Right there. <laughs> she prays for me. She puts her hand on me and prays for me. And I knew something happened at that point. I knew something happened, but I was still completely blocked up. And I thought, I don't want to get very far away from the throne room today, you know? <laughs> and, and, the, and, and so she prayed for me. And it was within, what do you think, 20 minutes? 20 minutes or so, I, I, here I am. I mean, I, I, don't have, I don't have a single symptom that I woke up with. It's, it's crazy. I mean, I was sick, sick. I thought I had that flu that Eric had, you know? I thought it was going to be my turn. I was going to, and I, I mean, I have absolutely zero of those symptoms. Praise God, Right? It's real. It's a real thing, you guys. So let's talk about Haggai. Let's see what the prophet Haggai has to say to us. If you're new here, you probably don't know that we've been working our way through the Old Testament in a series called Through the Bible. And uh, we're already at the book of Haggai, which means we only have two more stops to the end. woo Two, you're on the, as J. Vernon McGee used to say, the Bible bus, and you've got only two more stops left before we get to the end of the Old Testament. That was a pretty good J. Vernon McGee, if you ask me. I cut teeth on him. Nobody else is teaching me the Bible, so I listen to him on the radio. Hey, guy. Hey, guy. Here we are. He's one of the three minor prophets here. We're going to be looking at him today. Let's start with some context like we are inclined to do here. What's going on over the book, around and in the book of Haggai? First of all, the balance of power of the world has has shifted one more time. The balance of power. Remember when we started through some of these prophets that that the uh, Assyrians were running the world and they conquered the Israelites, the northern kingdom, took everybody off to Nineveh and then after a while while they were in captivity in Nineveh then the Babylonians rose to world power and they came and they conquered Judah and carried all the people of Jerusalem off to Babylon well during that 70 year captivity in Babylon then the the uh, Persians actually rose to power so this is over a period of a couple of hundred years so you know it's not like happening overnight but it was a very volatile political environment So what we have now is the the balance of power in Haggai's time has shifted, that uh, the Persians have risen to power, and they actually, that the the Jews found favor with the Persians, and they got to return to Jerusalem. So this is the first of three post-captivity prophets. So these last three prophets are after the captivity, after the exile, after the time in Babylon, So these three prophets, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi, are going to be speaking to a time after all that has occurred. We're all done talking about the judgment of God on the people of Israel and the people of Judah for their abandonment of the temple. I mean, I've, I've heard enough. I don't know about you, but it's been fruitful, hasn't it? It's been very productive in our lives to spend time in those prophets. But the good news is we're past that. The judgment... The judgment has been executed. And so what we're entering into here in Haggai is a prophet who is speaking during a time of, uh, it marks the beginning of, of refreshing and restoration. So we've been hearing about the, you guys better repent or, and then they didn't, and so the or happened. And now we're on the other side. We're on the other side of the judgment. And what we're going to see here is good things happen on the other side of the judgment. Good things, it's the heart of God for to purify through judgment and then good things happen on the other side of judgment. Get a hold of that, believers. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then the judgment on your life has been made through the penalty that Jesus Christ paid for you. So the judgment has already been made. God is not judging you. Jesus Christ took the judgment for us. And so we're living on the other side of the judgment. And what the Bible consistently tells us is that good things are meant to happen on the other side of the judgment. So that the life of faith that we live as as believers in the church, capital C, and as believers in a local fellowship is meant to be a good thing. It's meant to be a powerful thing. Because good things happen on the other side of judgment. And these three three prophets, they'll take us all the way up to the end of the Old Testament. And then at the end of Malachi, we'll start a 400-year period of silence between the end of Malachi and the beginning of Matthew. That's something to ponder, isn't it? Uh, Another part of the context of Haggai is that Haggai ministered in harmony. Uh, this, This is new. So you know... The other prophets, they were prophesying against the king, weren't they? They were prophesying against, with the exception of Josiah that we saw last week. They were prophesying against the kings because the kings were not following in the ways of God. They were prophesying against the priests because the priests were the ones who were responsible for the apostasy that occurred. That means the walking away from God that had occurred because they themselves were not faithful to God. And so in in this case in Haggai, now that that's all passed, then Haggai actually ministered in harmony with Zerubbabel and with Joshua the high priest. Now Zerubbabel was the uh, appointed governor of the area of Judah and Israel. He was the appointed governor, appointed by the Persians. Now he was, I think, a grandson of Jehoiakim, so technically he was kind of in that Dynasty line of the kings that before him. But in reality, really, um, the monarchy and the theocracy of having a king from the line of David, that's over. That's done. That's done. They're not going to rule themselves ever again. Israel is not going to rule itself ever again until being reinstated in 1948. Which marked the beginning of the end. Never again would they rule themselves, but from the line of David, one would come up, and that would be Jesus. But Haggai ministered in a time of harmony, a call, and also uh, the context of Haggai was a call for the people to get behind the rebuilding of the temple, the the temple, which was that you know major center place of worship where the Holy of Holies was, was originally built by Solomon in 900 982, I think, 900 and something B.C., was destroyed 400 years later, 586 B.C., when the Babylonians conquered Jerusalem. So the temple was destroyed. Seventy years later, they come back after being in captivity, and high on the agenda is we need to rebuild the temple. And so Haggai, his, his whole message is really about Challenging and inspiring the people to get behind the rebuilding of the temple, and um, and that's where we find that Ezra and Nehemiah came into the picture as well. Now, so that's the major context of it. The hot spot in the book of Haggai. The thing I think the Lord would really like to say to us is in uh, uh, Haggai chapter one, verses thirteen and fourteen. So they're back in the land, right? They're back in Jerusalem. There's a fair amount of of excitement, but there's also a fair amount of confusion about what's going on. And Haggai speaks this word into the confusion in verse 13. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. And they came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 20th, uh, and it just gives you the date. But I'm just saying, in this passage, in the time when the people needed to be inspired, the people needed to be inspired to get behind uh, what God was doing, which was rebuilding the temple at the time, these were the simple words... Uh, of Haggai. The simple words of Haggai were seven words that again changed the world. I am with you, declares the Lord. I am with you. I am with you. This is the heart of God, is to be with his people. It's what had gone wrong with the people of Israel before. They had rejected God. They had stiff-armed God. And we see throughout these prophets, they're saying, return to me, come back to me, come back to me, because it's the heart of God to be with us. In Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, that word was spoken clearly. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. This this is the core expression of the Father's heart for us, is to be with us in a manifest presence, in a a discernible presence. That's why we're excited about the Holy Spirit around here. Because Jesus said, I'll go away, but it's good, because if I go away to do what I need to do for you, Die on the cross for you, rise from the dead, ascend to the right hand. That if I do that, then the Father will send the Holy Spirit. And he'll be with you. And so, you know, this business about some churches being charismatic and some being not charismatic, that's got to be one of the most fundamentally ridiculous things I've ever heard. Because there can be no church without the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, he can show himself in different churches in different ways. I'm all about that. But there are not some churches that have the Holy Spirit and some churches that don't have the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is not present, it's not a church. It can't be church. It's not church. And there may be lots of different groups of people who gather around and read the Bible and sing the songs. But unless the Holy Spirit is not grieved, unless the Holy Spirit is welcomed, it's not church. Because at the heart of God is His desire to be with us, to be in us. And He does that through Himself as the Father? No. Through Himself as the Son? No. He does that through Himself as the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not resist the Holy Spirit. You're playing with fire if you resist the Holy Spirit. Jesus, the last thing he said before he left was, and surely I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. I will always be here. I'm not going anywhere in the way that you think. I, as the Son, am going to do what I... In fact, He'd already done it. I have done what I was called to do, sent to do. I have done that for you. Now that I have done that for you, I am returning to the Father. But in returning to the Father, I'm not leaving you. I will be with you in the present power of the Holy Spirit. There can be no church. There is no... Life, there is no Christian apart from the Holy Spirit. You don't have spirit-filled Christians and not spirit-filled Christians. You've got Christians or not Christians. There is no salvation without the Spirit. I still give room for that being expressed in varieties of ways. Of course. I'm not saying everybody has to be like us. It's probably better that they're not. But there's no, nobody gets saved apart from the action of the Holy Spirit. People can join churches without the Holy Spirit. People can sign pledges without the Holy Spirit. But nobody gets saved without the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who wants to come and be present among us. The manifest presence of the Holy Spirit. So how do I encounter God in this way? How do I truly experience this manifest presence of God? Five things, listen fast. Number one, believe. You've got to believe. You've got to set your heart to believe that this Bible is true. You've got to set your heart to believe that Jesus meant what he said when he said, I want to dwell in you. I want you to experience my presence. You got to believe. You got to release faith for it. You know, we release faith before we see it. The Bible says, you know, who believes and who doesn't believe in what he's already seen, right? Of course. But faith is the release of what we have not yet seen. And I, I just call you. To release faith for yourself as a person who encounters the presence of God. What's that going to look like on you? I don't know. You're going to find out. Will it look like it looks on me? Absolutely not. Thank God there's only one of me. Probably thank God there's only one of you too, but it's going to look different on you. But can you release faith as a man or a woman who says, I, I, I want to believe for my, this vision of myself as a person who is filled with the Holy Spirit, who is in dynamic relationship, experiential relationship with God, who is transforming me, who is empowering me, who is ordering my steps, who is there for me, so that if my husband wakes up sick and says, I can't go to work today... You can say, oh, yes, you can. In the name of Jesus, be well. See you, honey. (laughs) I don't know what it looks like on you. But can you believe for that? Second, if you want to encounter the Holy Spirit, start from where you are. Start right from where you are. It's okay. Where you are is good. It's okay to start there. You know, you don't have to, like, learn so many Bible verses before you're eligible for the Holy Spirit. You know, there's not, like, a road, a point on the road at which, okay, now you can have the Holy Spirit. Start from right where you are. And some of you are saying, Tom, you don't even know what I did last night. I know, and I'm glad I don't know what you did last night, but listen... You just came under the covering of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. There's no better time to ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit than right now, because the Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come, you're a new person this morning, now is the time to ask to experience the presence of God. Start from where you are. There's lots of different starting places. You're all wired differently. You're going to look different than anybody else, so start where you are. Don't worry about copying somebody else. Number three, drop your guard. You've got to let your guard down. I know you got pride, guys. I get that. I know you've got hurt. I get that. Welcome to the world, right? We've got to let that guard down and say, Come, Lord. I'm not embarrassed. Come. If you reduce me to a puddle of tears right now in front of all these people, if that is your plan, your will, great. If you want to embolden me and give me legs of bronze right now, I'll take it. Whatever you want to do, just drop your guard, let him do it, Number four, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, start at home. Yeah, people running to church, kind of for the thing. I get a lot more filling of the Holy Spirit in my prayer chair than I do here. i got to get filled up so I can empty it out here, right? Because that's the purpose of being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's so you can empty yourself out and go through the whole thing all over again. That was my dance, my Holy Ghost dance right there. You know, not going to see that very often. But... I'm saying, you got space at home. Press in, say, Lord, fill me. Some of you are about to get filled here powerfully, I know it. Renew that tomorrow morning and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. Get up and say, Lord, that was good. Can I eat from that table again? And number five, don't stop. Don't stop. Just keep moving. It was eight years for me from the time I can remember starting to say, Lord, because I was in no environment like this at all. I was on my own in this way. Lord, if you're real, I want to encounter you. I love your Bible. I love your people. I love this stuff, but I'm still really hungry for something. And I think it's you. And it was just going and going and going and going and going and going and going for eight years. Now, don't get discouraged by that, because I'm slow. Some of you, it could be eight days or eight weeks, but I'm just saying, don't stop. Don't ever stop. And even once you begin encountering the power of the Holy Spirit, don't say, well, there. That's just the beginning. That's just the absolute beginning. I want more every day than what I had yesterday. And I think that's how God has created us an appetite. Well, I know what you're hungry for. The question is, are you ready to take it in? I know what you're hungry for. You're hungry for the Holy Spirit. You're hungry for the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, either as something new or something greater than it was before you got here. You're hungry for that. There's something inside of you that says this Bible is amazing and it's absolutely amazing. It is the inerrant word of God. It is our only objective rule of faith and practice. But it's not the end of the road in terms of our walk with God. It's the word of God dwelling in us richly empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's a game changer. I know what you're hungry for. And for some of you, you're saying, okay, let's, let's ask him to come. And some of you are going, this is making me nervous because you don't like to try new food. Some of you don't like to try new food. I know it. When I met Karen, I was, I was introduced to a new food that I didn't know I would like. It's called vegetables. <laughs> I'm loving me some green beans. I get it. That there's resistance going, ah, I just don't know. In John chapter 20, when Jesus risen from the dead, one of the last things he did and said to his disciples was it said he breathed on them and said, Receive my spirit. Now, granted, in context, that was the beginning of the out, initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But I think it's no violation of interpreting that scripture to say this is something the Lord just loves to do with his seeking people is just breathe on them and receive his spirit. Let's pray. Lord, we're here because we want to experience the fulfillment of your promise. I am with you. There are people here, I'm sure, who are at the very end of their rope of belief. And I pray that you would come and you would show them that the end of that rope is the beginning of an amazing new life in you as you come in the power of your Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Lord, I have no plan to try to manipulate the crowd. I have no plan to predict even what happens next Lord it's going to be the same to me as I lay my head on the pillow tonight Lord whether few or many come if it's an expression of your will so I surrender to that but your word cries out to us your word cries out of a God who says I want to be with you always I want to be in you I want to dwell in you I want to overcome you with my presence I want to make you into a new man I want to make you into something that you weren't before you came to me and that by your spirit not by might not by power but by the spirit of the Lord you will say in your next very prophet come Lord come Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit in